0: Section six of The Princess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Princess by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Part five. Now, scarce three paces measured from the mound, we stumbled on a stationary voice, and, Stand, who goes? Two from the palace, I. The second two, they wait, he said pass on, his highness wakes. And one that clashed in arms by glimmering lanes and walls of canvas led threading the soldier city, till we heard the drowsy folds of our great ensign shake from blazoned lions o'er the imperial tent whispers of war. Entering the sudden light dazed me half blind. I stood and seemed to hear, as in a poplar grove when a light wind wakes a lisping of the innumerous leaf and dies each hissing in his neighbor's ear. And then a strangled titter, out of which there break on all sides clamoring etiquette to death unmeasured mirth. While now the two old kings began to wag their baldness up and down, the fresh young captains flashed their glittering teeth, the huge bush-bearded barons heaved and blew, and slain with laughter rolled the gilded squire. At length my sire, his rough cheek wet with tears, Panted from weary sides, King, you are free, we did but keep your surety for our son, if this be he, Or a dragged mawkin thou that tends to her bristled grunters in the sludge. For I was drenched with ooze and torn with briars, More crumpled than a poppy from the sheath, And all one rag disprinced from head to heel, then someone sent beneath his vaulted palm a whispered jest to someone near him Look, he has been among his shadows Satan take the old women and their shadows, thus the king roared. Make yourself a man to fight with men. Go, Cyril told us all. As boys that slink from ferule and the trespass-chiding eye, away we stole and transient in a trice from what was left of faded woman-sloth to sheathing splendours and the golden scale of harness issued in the sun that now leapt from the dewy shoulders of the earth and hit the northern hills. Here Cyril met us, a little shy at first, but by and by we twain, with mutual pardon asked and given for stroke and song, re-soldered peace, whereon followed his tale. Amazed he fled away through the dark land, and later in the night had come on Psyche weeping. Then we fell into your father's hand, and there she lies, but will not speak or stir. He showed a tent a stone shot off. We entered in, and there, among piled arms and rough accoutrements, pitiful sight, wrapped in a soldier's cloak, like some sweet sculpture draped from head to foot and pushed by rude hands from its pedestal. All her fair length upon the ground she lay, and at her head a follower of the camp, a charred and wrinkled piece of womanhood, sat watching like the watcher by the dead. Then Florian knelt, and, Come, he whispered to her, lift up your head, sweet sister, lie not thus. What have you done but right? You could not slay me nor your prince. Look up, be comforted sweet is it to have done the thing one ought when fallen in darker ways and likewise i be comforted have i not lost her too in whose least act abides the nameless charm that none has else for me she heard she moved she moaned a folded voice and up she sat and raised the cloak from brows as pale and smooth as those that mourn half shrouded over death in deathless marble her she said my friend, parted from her, betrayed her cause and mine. Where shall I breathe? Why kept ye not your faith? O base and bad! What comfort! None for me!" To whom remorseful Cyril, Yet I pray take comfort, live, dear lady, for your child. At which she lifted up her voice and cried, Ah, me, my babe, my blossom! Ah, my child my one sweet child whom i shall see no more for now will cruel ida keep her back and either she will die from want of care or sicken with ill usage when they say the child is hers for every little fault the child is hers and they will beat my girl remembering her mother o my flower or they will take her, they will make her hard, and she will pass me by in after-life with some cold reverence worse than she were dead. Ill mother that I was to leave her there, to lag behind, scared by the cry they made, the horror of the shame among them all! But I will go and sit beside the doors, and make a wild petition night and day, until they hate to hear me like a wind wailing for ever, till they open to me, and lay my little blossom at my feet. My babe, my sweet Aglaya, my one child, and I will take her up and go my way, and satisfy my soul with kissing her. Ah, what might that man not deserve of me who gave me back my child? Be comforted, said Cyril, you shall have it. But again she veiled her brows, and prone she sank, and so, like tender things, that being caught feigned death, she spoke not, nor stirred. By this a murmur ran through all the camp, and inward raced the scouts with rumour of Prince Arab hard at hand. We left her by the woman, and without found the grey kings at parl. And look you, cried my father, that our compact be fulfilled. You have spoilt this child. She laughs at you, and man. She wrongs herself, her sex, and me, and him. But red-faced war has rods of steel and fire. She yields, or war. Then Gamma turned to me. We fear indeed you spent a stormy time with our strange girl, and yet they say that still you love her. Give us then your mind at large. How say you, war or not?" "'Not war, if possible, O King,' I said, lest from the abuse of war, the desecrated shrine, the trampled year, the smouldering homestead, and the household flower torn from the lintel, all the common wrong a smoke go up through which I loom to her three times a monster. Now she lightens scorn at him that mars her plan, but then would hate, and every voice she talked with ratify it, and every face she looked on justify it, the general foe. More soluble is this naught by gentleness than war. I want her love. What were I nigher this, although we dashed your cities into shards with catapults, she would not love or brought her chained, a slave, the lifting of whose eyelashes, my lord? Not ever would she love, but brooding turn the book of scorn, till all my flitting chance were caught within the record of her wrongs and crushed to death. And rather, sire, than this I would the old god of war himself were dead, forgotten, rusting on his iron hills, rotting on some wild shore with ribs of wreck, or like an old-world mammoth bulked in ice not to be molten out and roughly spake my father, "'Tut, you know them not, the girls. Boy, when I hear you prate I almost think that idiot legend credible. Look you, sir, man is the hunter, woman is his game. The sleek and shining creatures of the chase, we hunt them for the beauty of their skins. They love us for it, and we ride them down. wheedling and siding with them, out for shame. Boy, there's no rose that's half so dear to them as he that does the thing they dare not do. Breathing and sounding, beauteous battle, comes with the air of the trumpet round him, and leaps in among the women, snares them by the score flattered and flustered. Wins, though dashed with death, he reddens what he kisses. Thus I won your mother, a good mother, a good wife, worth winning. But this firebrand, gentleness to such as her— If Cyril spake her true, To catch a dragon in a cherry-net, To trip a tigress with a gossamer, Were wisdom to it! "'Yea, but, sire,' I cried, Wild natures need wise curbs. "'The soldier? No, what dares not I to do That she should prize the soldier? I beheld her when she rose the yesternight, And, storming in extremes, Stood for her cause, and flung defiance Down gage-like to man, And had not shunned the death, No, not the soldiers.' Yet I hold her, king, true woman. You clash them all in one, That have as many differences as we. The violet varies from the lily As far as oak from elm. One loves the soldier, One the silken priest of peace, One this, one that, and some unworthily. Their sinless faith, A maiden moon that sparkles on a sty, Glorifying clown and satyr, Whence they need more breadth of culture. Is not Ida right? They worth it? truer to the law within, severer in the logic of a life? Twice as magnetic to sweet influences of earth and heaven? And she of whom you speak, my mother, looks as whole as some serene creation minted in the golden moods of sovereign artists. Not a thought, a touch, but pure as lines of green that streak the white of the first snowdrop's inner leaves. I say not like the piebald miscellany man, Bursts of great heart, and slips in sensual mire, but whole and one. And take them all in all, were we ourselves but half as good, as kind, as truthful, Much that Ida claims as right had ne'er been mooted, But as frankly theirs as dues of nature. To our point, not war, lest I lose all. Nay, nay, you spake but sense, said Gamma, We remember love ourself in our sweet youth. We did not rate him then this red-hot iron to be shaped with blows. You talk almost like Ida. She can talk, and there is something in it as you say. But you talk kindlier. We esteem you for it. He seems a gracious and a gallant prince. I would he had our daughter? For the rest our own detention, why the cause is weighed fatherly fears you used us courteously we would do much to gratify your prince. We pardon it. And for your ingress here upon the skirt and fringe of our fair land, you did but come as goblins in the night. Nor in the furrow broke the ploughman's head, nor burnt the grange, nor bust the milking-maid, nor robbed the farmer of his bowl of cream. But let your prince—our royal word upon it he comes back safe—ride with us to our lines, and speak with Aric. Aric's word is thrice as ours with Ida. Something may be done i know not what and ours shall see us friends you likewise our late guests if so you will follow us who knows we four may build some plan foursquare to opposition here he reached white hands of farewell to my sire who growled an answer which half muffled in his beard let so much out as gave us leave to go then rode we with the old king across the lawns beneath huge trees a thousand rings of spring in every bowl, a song on every spray of birds that piped their valentines, and woke desire in me to infuse my tale of love in the old king's ears, who promised help, and oozed all o'er with honeyed answer as we rode, and blossom-fragrant slipped the heavy dews, gathered by night and peace, with each light air on our mailed heads. But other thoughts than peace burnt in us when we saw the embattled squares and squadrons of the prince trampling the flowers with clamour. For among them rose a cry as if to greet the king. They made a halt, the horses yelled, they clashed their arms, the drum beat, merrily blowing shrilled the martial fife, and in the blast and bray of the long horn and serpent-throated bugle undulated the banner. Anon to meet us lightly pranced three captains out. Nor ever had I seen such thews of men. The midmost and the highest was Arach. All about this motion clung the shadow of his sister as the beam of the east, that played upon them, made them glance like those three stars of the airy giant's zone, that glitter burnished by the frosty dark, and as the fiery Sirius alters hue, and bickers into red and emerald, shone their Morians, washed with morning as they came and i that prated peace when first i heard war-music felt the blind wild beast of force whose home is in the sinews of a man stir in me as to strike then took the king his three broad sons with now a wandering hand and now a pointed finger told them all a common light of smiles at our disguise broke from their lips and ere the windy jest had laboured down within his ample lungs, the genial giant Aric rolled himself thrice in the saddle, then burst out in words. "'Our land invaded! Steath! And he himself your captive, yet my father wills not war? And Steath myself what care I war or no. But then this question of your troth remains, and there's a downright honest meaning in her. She flies too high, she flies too high! and yet she asked but space and fair play for her scheme. She pressed and pressed it on me. I myself what know I of these things? But life and soul, I thought her half right talking of her wrongs. I say she flies too high. Steth, what of that? I take her for the flower of womankind, and so I often told her right or wrong. And, Prince, she can be sweet to those she loves, and right or wrong I care not. This is all. I stand upon her side, she made me swear it, steph and with solemn rites by candlelight, swear by St. Something, I forget her name, her that talked down by the fifty wisest men, she was a princess too, and so I swore. Come, this is all, she will not, waive your claim. If not, the foughten field, what else at once decides it? Steth, against my father's will." I lagged, in answer, loath to render up my precontract, and loath by brainless war to cleave the rift of difference deeper yet, till one of those two brothers, half aside and fingering at the hair about his lip, to prick us on to combat, like to like, the woman's garment hid the woman's heart, a taunt that clenched his purpose like a blow. For fiery short was Cyril's counter-scoff, and sharp I answered, touched upon the point where idle boys are cowards to their shame. Decide it here. Why not? We are three to three. Then spake the third, But three to three? No more? No more, and in our noble sister's cause? More, more, for honour! Every captain waits, hungry for honour, angry for his king. More, more, some fifty on a side, That each may breathe himself, and quick by overthrow of these or those the questions settled die. "'Yea,' answered I, for this wreath of air, this flake of rainbow flying on the highest foam of men's deeds, this honour, if ye will—it needs must be for honour, if at all. Since what decision? If we fail, we fail, and if we win, we fail. She would not keep her compact." "'Sdeath! But we will send to her," said Eric, Worthy reasons why she should buy by this issue. Let our missive through, and you shall have her answer by the word." "'Boys!' shrieked the old king but vainlier than a hen to her false daughters in the pool, for none regard it. Neither seemed there more to say. Back rode we to my father's camp, and found he thrice had sent a herald to the gates, to learn if Ida would cede our claim, or by denial flush her babbling wells with her own people's life. Three times he went. The first he blew and blew, but none appeared. He battered at the doors. None came. The next, an awful voice within, had warned him thence. The third and those eight daughters of the plough came sallying through the gates, and caught his hair, and so belaboured him on rib and cheek they made him wild. Not less one glance he caught through open doors of Ida stationed there, unshaken, clinging to her purpose, firm, though compassed by two armies and the noise of arms, and standing like a stately pine set in a cataract on an island crag, when storm is on the heights and right and left sucked from the dark heart of the long hills roll the torrents, dashed to the vale. And yet her will bred will in me to overcome it, or fall. But when I told the king that I was pledged to fight in tourney for my bride, he clashed his iron palms together with a cry, himself would tilt it out among the lads, but overborne by all his bearded lords, with reasons drawn from age and state, perforce he yielded, wroth and red, with fierce demur and many a bold knight started up in heat, and swear to combat for my claim till death. All on this side the palace ran the field flat to the garden wall, and likewise here, above the garden's glowing blossom-belts, a columned entry shone and marble stairs, and great bronze valves, embossed with Tomaris and what she did to Cyrus after fight, but now fast barred. So here upon the flat all that long morn the lists were hammered up, and all that morn the heralds to and fro, with message and defiance, went and came. Last Ida's answer, in a royal hand, but shaken here and there, and rolling words oration-like, I kissed it and I read. O brother, you have known the pangs we felt. What heats of indignation when we heard of those that iron-cramped their women's feet! Of lands in which at the altar the poor bride gives her harsh groom for bridal gift a scourge! Of living hearts that crack within the fire where smoulder their dead despots! And of those, mothers, that with all prophetic pity fling their pretty maids in the running flood. And swoops the vulture, beak and talon, At the heart made for all noble motion. And I saw that equal baseness lived in sleeker times with smoother men, The old leaven leavened all. Millions of throats would bawl for civil rights, No woman named. Therefore I set my face against all men, And lived but for mine own. Far off from men I built a fold for them, I stored it full of rich memorial, I fenced it round with gallant institutes, and biting laws to scare the beasts of prey, and prospered. Till a rout of saucy boys brake on us at our books, and marred our peace, masked like our maids, blustering I know not what of insolence and love, some pretext held of baby troth, invalid, since my will sealed not the bond the striplings for their sport, I tamed my leopards. Shall I not tame these? Or you? Or I? For since you think me touched in honour—what, I would not ought of false—is not our case pure? And whereas I know your prowess, Eric, and what mother's blood you draw from fight, you failing, I abide what end soever. Fail you will not. Still take not his life, he risked it for my own. His mother lives, yet whatsoe'er you do fight and fight well, Strike and strike him. O oh, dear brothers, the woman's angel guards you, You, the sole men to be mingled with our cause, The sole men we shall prize in the aftertime. Your very armour hallowed, and your statues reared, sung to, When this gadfly brushed aside we plant a solid foot into the time, and mould a generation strong to move, with claim on claim, from right to right, till she whose name is yoked with children's know herself, and knowledge in our own land make her free. And ever following those two crowned twins, commerce and conquest, shower the fiery grain of freedom broadcast over all the orbs between the northern and the southern morn. Then came a postscript dashed across the rest. See that there be no traitors in your camp—we seem a nest of traitors, none to trust since our arms failed—this Egypt plague of men. Almost our maids were better at their homes than thus man-girdled here. Indeed, I think our chiefest comfort is the little child of one unworthy mother, which she left. She shall not have it back. The child shall grow to prize the authentic mother of her mind. I took it for an hour in mine own bed this morning. There the tender orphan hands felt at my heart, and seemed to charm from thence the wrath I nursed against the world. Farewell. I ceased. He said, Stubborn! But she may sit upon a king's right hand in thunderstorms and breed up warriors. see now though yourself be dazzled by the wildfire love to sloughs that swallow common sense, the spindling king, this gamma swamped in lazy tolerance when the man wants weight, the woman takes it up and topples down the scales. but this is fixed as are the roots of earth and base of all man for the field and woman for the hearth. Man for the sword and for the needle she. Man with the head and woman with the heart. Man to command and woman to obey. All else confusion. Look you, the grey mare is ill to live with when her whinny shrills from tile to scullery, and her small goodman shrinks in his armchair while the fires of hell mix with his hearth. But you! She's yet a colt! Take! Break her! Strongly groomed and straightly curbed she might not rank with those detestable that let the bantling scold at home, and brawl their rights and wrongs like pot-herbs in the street. They say she's calmly. theres the fairer chance. I like her none the less for rating at her. Besides the woman wed is not as we, but suffers change of frame. A lusty brace of twins may weed her of her folly. Boy, the bearing and the training of a child is woman's wisdom." thus the hard old king i took my leave for it was nearly noon i poured upon her letter which i held and on the little clause take not his life i mused on that wild morning in the woods and on the follow follow thou shalt win i thought on all the wrathful king had said and how the strange betrothment was to end then i remembered that burnt sorcerer's curse that one should fight with shadows and should fall and like a flash the weird affection came. King, camp, and college turned to hollow shows. I seemed to move in old memorial tilts, and doing battle with forgotten ghosts, to dream myself the shadow of a dream. And ere I woke it was the point of noon, the lists were ready. Empanoplied and plumed we entered in, and waited, fifty there opposed to fifty till the trumpet blared at the barrier like a wild horn in a land of echoes—and a moment, and once more the trumpet, and again—at which the storm of galloping hoofs bare on the ridge of spears and riders front to front, until they closed in conflict with the crash of shivering points and thunder. Yet it seemed a dream—I dreamed of fighting. On his haunches rode the steed, and into fiery splinters leapt the lance and out of stricken helmets sprang the fire. Part sat like rocks, part reeled but kept their seats, part rolled on the earth and rose again and drew, part stumbled mixed with floundering horses. Down from those two bulks at Arak's side, and down from Arak's arm as from a giant's flail, the large blows rained, as here and everywhere he rode the melee, lord of the ringing lists and all the plain, brand, mace, and shaft, and shield—shocked like an iron-clanging anvil banged with hammers. Till I thought, Can this be he from Gamma's dwarfish loins? If this be so, the mother makes us most. And in my dream I glanced aside, and saw the palace-front alive with fluttering scarfs and ladies' eyes, and highest among the statues, statue-like, beneath a symboled Miriam and a With Psyche's babe was Ida watching us, a single band of gold about her hair, like a saint's glory up in heaven. But she, no saint, inexorable, no tenderness, too hard, too cruel. Yet she sees me fight, yea, let her see me fall. And with that I drave among the thickest and bore down a prince, and Cyril one, yea, let me make my dream all that I would. But that large moulded man, his visage all a-grin as at a wake, made at me through the press, and staggering back with stroke on stroke, the horse and horseman came as comes a pillar of electric cloud, flaying the roofs and sucking up the drains, and shadowing down the champagne till it strikes on a wood, and takes and breaks, and cracks, and splits, and twists the grain with such a roar that earth reels and the herdsmen cry, for everything came way before him. Only Florian, he that loved me closer than his own right eye thrust in between, but Aric rode him down, and Cyril seeing it pushed against the prince, with Psyche's colour round his helmet, tough, strong, supple, sinew-corded, apt at arms, but tougher, heavier, stronger, he that smote and threw him. Last I spurred, I felt my veins stretch with fierce heat, A moment hand to hand and sword to sword, And horse to horse we hung, Till I struck out and shouted. The blade glanced, I did but shear a feather, And dream and truth flowed from me, Darkness closed me, and I fell. Home they brought her warrior dead, She nor swooned nor uttered cry, All her maidens watching said, She must weep, or she will die. Then they praised him soft and low, Called him worthy to be loved, Truest friend and noblest foe, Yet she neither spoke nor moved. Stole a maiden from her place, Lightly to the warrior stepped, Took the face-cloth from the face, Yet she neither moved nor wept. Rose a nurse of ninety years, Set his child upon her knee, Like summer tempest came her tears. Sweet my child! i live for thee end of section 6